Practically every Saturday evening and every Sunday morning, I'm usually in the narthex or at one of the exits out here, <clears throat> uh, greeting people. And while I struggle with names, sometimes I'm very good at recognizing people's faces. So if I see a new face, I always say to them, welcome, and where are you from? And people are very, very proud of where they come from. They will tell you they're from maybe Wisconsin or Indiana or New York or California, you know, different places. And even some people tell you they're visiting relatives from, from, from Europe or from South America. Last week we had a whole contingent from Brazil and they were very proud to be here visiting their family. So it's an interesting question, where are you from? Where do you stay? In, uh, in John's Gospel, the disciples say to Jesus at the beginning of the Gospel, Master, where do you stay? Where do you dwell? And it's an interesting, it's such an interesting question that it's repeated 40 times in, in John's Gospel and 27 times in his letters. Where do you stay? It's an incredibly loaded question because there is the staying in your home and then there's the place where you stay within yourself. And if you just pause for a moment and ask yourself that question, where are you staying right now in yourself at this time? Some people can be staying in grief because they're bereaved. Some people are staying in worry and anxiety. Some people perhaps were to a doctor during the week and got a scary diagnosis. Some people have dropped their kids off in college and are worried about them and, and how they're going to do, particularly if it's the first child to leave home. Some people are worried about if the economy goes into recession, will they lose their jobs? Will their investment shrink because they need it so desperately from their retirement? I could go around every person here and ask you, where are you staying right now? And it will be something very interesting to do, to ask ourselves that question, where do you stay? And that's the question that Jesus said, come and see where I stay. And when the disciples came and saw where Jesus stayed, they found it incredibly attractive. They found it something that was wonderful. So wonderful and so beautiful and so great that they, they dedicated their lives to it. And, and they lived for it and actually died for it because they responded to that invitation, come and see. And they came and they saw. And that was, was the end of one life but the beginning of another life. And that is the question that is behind the gospel of today. Lord, will only a few be saved? 
because the common understanding at that time was that uh, because you were part of the people of Israel or that you worshipped in Jerusalem, that you were Jewish, that you lived in Israel, you were part of the people of God. Because you were part of that, then you were guaranteed that you were going to be saved. But it gave Jesus an opportunity to teach. He's on his way up to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to suffer and die. But as he goes along, he is using this opportunity to teach and to, to bring people from a relationship with God that is based on a geographical location or a social group or a religious group to a deeper, a deeper understanding of who God is and what God is. And that is what he is trying to teach people to do. When I was training to be a chaplain at the Matter Hospital in Dublin a few months before I was ordained, I was going around visiting the patients and I sat down beside an elderly woman and she was full of worry and fear. And without prompting her, she said to me, you know, she says, I wouldn't mind if I got into purgatory and then I'd work my way up into heaven. <laughs> and I was so saddened by that. It was funny, but it was saddened because it was so full of judgment and I wouldn't mind if I got into purgatory. How limiting that is. In, in somebody's lives. And that's why Jesus is using this opportunity to speak to everyone, because what Jesus has to offer is open to everyone, including open to the Gentiles. He always goes out to the last, the least, the lowly, those who are living on the fringes. But he doesn't sugarcoat it, because he says to, to have what he has Involves, involves an effort. Strive to enter through the narrow, the narrow door. In anything in life, if we want to be good at it, we have to practice it. And practice makes perfect. If you want to be good at golf, you go to a professional. He'll tell you what to do. The next time you go back to him, he'll say, did you practice it? If you didn't, he'll know it. So practice makes perfect. I always find it remarkable how and attractive and very inspiring the parts of the gospel where Jesus went away to a quiet place to pray. And when he did that, once again, his disciples found that incredibly attractive. There was something about Jesus in prayer that they were attracted to. And what Jesus was doing was he was coming back to his relationship with the Father. He was placing himself in God's love. He was contemplating God's love for him and allowing the love of God to once again come into him. He was contemplating a profound, a profound place that he put himself, that he could allow God to gaze upon him and love him. St. Augustine has a beautiful line 
when he speaks about contemplating God's love. And it's, if I can remember it correctly, but it is, may I come to know you, St. Augustine said, in contemplation. May I come to know you, and may I come to know myself. And that is something that, that answers, this is what answers the question today. There's a beautiful line that I, I read, and um, Christ will know if you are like him, if you are from the same spiritual place that he is from. That's what it means. That's what it means. It's not, we shouldn't be worried about heaven and hell. Will we get into purgatory and wiggle our way up into heaven? That's, you know, it, that's immature. It's not, it's not what God is about. It's not what Christ is about. Christ says, make your home in me as I may my, make mine in you. St. John of the Cross says beautifully, you who are looking for God, you are yourself that very place where God dwells. There's something beautiful being offered to you at every time and place and moment in your life. But it doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. You have to give the time, the practice of sitting down and being quiet and placing yourself in the presence of God and contemplating God and allowing God the time to gaze upon you. The Father dwells in me and I dwell in the Father. The Father and I are one. Make your home in me as I make my home in you. So we should put aside from ourselves all questions about, will I get into heaven? Will I, you know, will I, will I make it? And the final time, to the eternal banquet in heaven. Put aside those questions because they're focusing about something hopefully quite a while from your lives. But what we should be focusing now is on the experience of heaven now that has been offered to us. That union with the eternal community of love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is being offered to you at every moment of every day. It is something why God sent Jesus into the world. As he says, so Father, that they may be one in me as I am in you. What Jesus wants for us and what he lived for, that we would have the so same experience of God that Jesus himself has. And I just conclude by saying it won't just happen. You have to stop dwelling in a place in yourself that is not of God. Fear, worry, resentment, anger. All of those places you have to hand over to God and give them to him. Hand them over. They preoccupy that inner space where God dwells within you. So this gospel is a tremendous invitation so that you will be at peace to contemplate the same God and experience of God 
that Jesus had so that we will be able to pray like St. Augustine, may I come to know you and may I come to know myself so that we will have in our lives what Jesus wants us to have and that we will be living heaven. We will be living the eternal banquet here and now each and every day.